every time I come before you, it's, it's the equivalent of me leaving you and, and going to heaven and trying to figure out how to explain this stuff so I can come back and tell you. It's like the Lord uses me and says, look, I need you to come up here and because this is where all my children are going to live forever. I need you to come up here and I need you to go back and explain it. But then when you go up there, you don't know what, you don't know what you're looking at. And so that's, that's how it feels. But the more you see and the more you experience, the more difficult it becomes. Because, and, so I'm, and, and all I am is just someone who I'm, just, I'm opening doors for you to walk through. So, but the problem is, is that whether you're the one who opened the door or whether you're the one to walk through it, both are going to get attacked the same. And so, uh, so, we, you know, so we'll have these periods where I won't be able to just like preach or teach. Sometimes I just have to talk. Because it can be difficult. There are things, there are things that um, the Lord drops on you and you know it's too big for you to swallow. You know, like this one, what I'm supposed to teach on Wednesday. The eyes of the cow are on the grass. The eyes of the man are on the cow. But all three are creators. Because most don't know that a 25 square foot area of healthy grass produces enough, enough oxygen a day for a human. So the grass produces oxygen. And how many know that a cow, you can have a black cow that eats green grass but produces white milk. So the grass creates, the cow creates, and the man creates. So, so the cow is feeding on the grass <laughs> and he has his eyes on the grass. The man has his eyes on the cow because he feeds off the cow. But the mistake the man is making is thinking that nothing is feeding off him. Now, how are you supposed to handle that? And then just, and then all of these scriptures. <clears throat> Man, it's hard to deal with this stuff. And all these scriptures start flooding into your soul. That's what that scripture means? I mean, it's just as clear, but if he didn't show it to you, you'd never understand that in a million years. What do you mean something is feeding on us? I was like, and then he'll show you one glimpse. Oh, God, are you serious? Okay. And that's something that men are not being taught. It's both heaven and hell are feeding off you. That's why the Bible talks about fruit so much. And the deep part is, nah, nah, man. See, y'all, no, man, I don't get. Now I got enough with the teaching today. <laughs> okay. So it's, uh, it's, 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 it's difficult, but it's easy at the same time. It's only easy because the Lord shows you this stuff, but then there's a huge level of difficulty when it comes to explaining it. And, uh, you know, I have to be totally honest with you. Well, let's just read the scripture first. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection or affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. That same passage from the New Living Translation, which is more of a modern version how we talk today, says in Colossians 3, 1 through 4, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, 
and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of his glory. Okay? So that's kind of like what happens. And some, let me say something, like you saw me get emotional for a moment. Sometimes that, that's usually not me crying over a revelation. Sometimes that's what my wife says. She can see it. Every once in a while I can feel it, or I felt at that time, where you step into the podium and no man can explain heavenly things. So there's something that comes upon you. It's a grace that comes upon you and, and heightens your ability to be able to explain um, spiritual things so that all can get it. And so when it comes upon you, um, you can get, I, I can't explain it. It's just like a coat that falls upon you. Because how many of you know, I'm going give this, give this, given this example before. How many of you know, the first grade teacher teach first graders. There are no fourth graders in first grade. Okay. Fifth grade teacher teaches fifth graders. There are no first graders in fifth grade. And the list goes on and on. If you're a 12th grade teacher, you teach 12th graders. There are no generally, sometimes there might be an 11th grader in there for whatever reason, but there are no 9th and 10th graders in 11th. There are no five-year-olds in college class and vice versa. Why? Because in, 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 in humanity, you can only teach one grade. You got me. In the kingdom of God, the servant has to teach all age groups at the same time, and they all got to learn. So somebody that's been on the battlefield for a long time, so they don't want to hear no little lollipop messages. They need depth. But then the new person that just came into the door, the depth will drown them. So I can't teach the young and the old, the immature and the mature, at the same time, unless there's something on you giving you heightened abilities. You understand what I'm saying? So that's what it is when you see that. It's not, you know, me being emotional or even trying to be deep. It's just that there's something that has to come on you to give you. It's almost like uh, I come up here as one man, um, but if there are 500 people in the audience, there's an anointing that comes upon you and you become 500 men in the spirit, literally. So. I just be explaining stuff, boy, it just comes out of... But see, this type of stuff, it makes you a heavyweight. We have too many shallow Christians. Supposed to, we are supposed to be the most deep and intellectual individuals in the planet. But anyway, so based on this scripture, it, this scripture helped get me delivered of the issue of, you know, a lot of times as, as pastors and preachers, we, I think we spend too much time focusing on giving people a word for them to survive on until they come back next week. And, you know, people have lots of drama in their life from marital issues to issues with their children to their parents to lawsuits to health challenges to money challenges to deliverance. I mean, you know, all of those things. And, and if the body of Christ is not careful, what we do is we consume all of our time trying to solve problems that we were supposed to be over 10 years ago. And because the majority of the body of Christ is stuck on trying to solve too many problems, the body of Christ is not advancing into what the Lord wants her to advance into. And so, and so, um, but the scripture makes it very clear what you were supposed to teach on, what we were supposed to focus on. And that's a new concept for most because the majority of the body of Christ is not doing this. And most leaders are not. That's not a swipe at them because I was one of the leaders that I taught heavenly things, but I wasn't teaching the reward system. 
Because the scripture says once you give your life to Christ, it says only focus on the things of heaven, not the things of earth. 2 Corinthians 12, 2 through 4 says, I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. This is Paul. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body. But I do know that I was caught up to paradise and I heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words. Number one, things no human is allowed to tell. So He's, out of the many things that he saw, there were two things that seemed to make an impression on him, is that he said, he said, what I saw, I can't explain it. And I swear, out of all of the stuff that Paul wrote, he never told you what was in heaven, because he couldn't explain it. And then he said, then I saw a lot of things that are just simply secrets. You're not allowed to tell what you saw there. Now you see that in the book of Revelations when he talks about those seven thunders that uttered their voices. And John said, I was about to write. And then a voice from heaven said, don't write that. That's a secret. Man, you are allowed to hear it. So he knows what they said. But mankind is not allowed to hear it. It's still going to happen, but we're not going to forecast it before it comes. It's just going to show up. I don't know what those seven thunders are. I was listening to a man. And, um, you know, he has been privileged because... He went very, very far on the dark side. And because he came out of that, he's allowed to go further on the light side. All of us are allowed to go so far. You go too far to destroy you. Light, light is much stronger than darkness. Light is more terrifying than darkness. Okay? And so, uh, and I just wrote a couple of these things down. He was talking about the unlimited dimensions that exist outside of the universe. And he said the unlimited beings that exist. P thinking, people thinking that humans are the only beings that God has created. No, I'm sorry, wrong. Hum what we call humans, we are the only individuals in all dimensions that have been created in the image of God. But there are other beings that he will not tell you. I mean, you can just study some of the stuff that showed up from heaven, you know, beings with four faces and six wings and, and eyes on the inside of the body, on the outside. It sounded like a scene from Star Wars, you know, and, but you got all of these things. But he was talking about stuff like the teaching of the spirit of God operating in different realms. That's a doctrine in heaven. He said, there's a group called the Supreme Lords of Justice and Retribution. There's another doctrine called the Supreme Lord of Creation have a group called the Guardians of the Thrones of God. I was just like, okay. But see, anybody that never had a beginning and never... Religion is very limited. It makes you very closed-minded. And Jesus said, I came to give you life, not church services. <laughs> and because he came to give us life, then that means that when you walk out this door, there is something in every single thing that you look at that you can learn when it comes to the kingdom of God. That's why the Bible says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. So men have a bad habit of messing stuff up. Would you agree? We have all messed stuff up. Thank God that he turned it around. But, but before I just mention, I only have a couple of points that I'm going to make today. There's just, there are times when we'll focus on the detail. There are times when the Lord just wants me to help expand your mind so that you, it's a hard thing to grasp. You know, it's, 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 it's literally trying to fit the whole ocean into a cup. 
this. And Jesus would make strange statements. The entire kingdom is on the inside of you. What do you mean the entire kingdom is on the inside of me? We don't even know how big the kingdom is. Let me tell you, how many you know the, big, the kingdom is bigger than the universe? How many would be crazy if he said the entire universe is on the inside of you? Hey, so to help you kind of understand the concept, I heard a proverb. I don't know if it's a Nigerian or African proverb about the two frogs and about the frog from the ocean that visited the frog in the well. I even know the well is not too much bigger than the circumference of this podium. He was visited by the frog in the ocean who was telling him about the ocean. Both, both of them are water. And so he was trying to explain to the frog in the well about the water in the ocean. So the frog in the well is like, well, how big is it? You know, you, you're telling me, I, I thought this well was all the water there was. He said, no, 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 no. He said, there's a, a body of water that's much bigger than this. And so the frog in the well said, well, how big is it? Because if the frog in the well only knows about the well, a well twice that size would blow his mind. You understand what I'm saying? Well, he said, how big is it? Is it twice this size? He said, no, 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 it's way bigger. He said, is it 10 times the size? He said, no. Well, how big is it? Um, it's hard to explain. It's bigger than big. I don't know how big it is because um, I've only discovered about 1% of it myself. I mean, well, I got lost one time. I jumped out this well and I got lost. And, and, and I heard humans saying that, you know, they have these houses. And you see how big that house is compared to this well. It can't be bigger than a house. Yeah, it's bigger than a house. I heard about something called a mountain. And a mountain is the biggest thing that ever exists. And the frog from the ocean says, uh, you could fit at least a million mountains in this ocean. Now, once the frog from the ocean starts talking this way, the mentality of the frog in the well can't keep up. Because the mentality of the frog in the well has been formed by being in the well. So he just can't conceive because eyes have not seen and ears have not heard. Neither has it entered into his imagination an ocean. You understand what I'm saying? And so that's an African proverb I heard about the frustration of the frog from the ocean trying to open up the understanding of the frog in the well. That's also the frustration of the kingdom of God trying to open up the understanding of religion. Because religion keeps you very close-minded. It's... Oh, it can't be this way because I don't feel it. There are, let me tell you all something. Most of what I teach, I would have rejected years ago if you taught it. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. I'm like, no, you got to be careful. Like I say, you got to be careful riding the bus, but you still rode it. Hey, so I'm going to go over a few scriptures. This is just simple. I'm keeping stuff simple today. And um, that's a lie. I never keep stuff simple. <laughs> Even I'm keeping it simple is not simple. But I just want to open up your mind so that when you read the scripture, just trying to expand you a little bit. The Lord just gave me two instructions. Because the more I study this, the more I'm understanding um, why the Bible calls planet Earth the shadow realm. And let me tell you something. This keeps swirling around for some reason. Where we're headed to is a place of invincibility. Um... I've been having a lot of, my dreams have turned different. 
Um, but just the four dreams I had last night were all hindrance dreams. It was the Lord showing me that because of the revelation that this church is coming into, that now the enemy is planning on hindering us, frustrations, things that just slow you down and, and, and just frustrate. I, I would go to sleep, and I'd have a frustrating hindrance dream. Then I'd wake up. And I'm like, oh, good grief. Go back to sleep, then have another hindrance dream. And so, so after I woke up this morning, I almost called y'all and said, you know what, y'all on your own. Just worship and pray and read the Bible and then go back home. I was just like, but, but Paul said that. He said, in the passage we just read, he said, because of the abundance of revelations that I had about the other side, it started turning me into Superman. He said, and so as a result of that, he said, the devil sent me a thorn in the flesh called the messenger of Satan. He said, and this thing began to buffet and fight against me and, and try to torment me and try to frustrate me. Remember what he said? He said, one time I tried to leave a city. I just tried to leave the city, and I couldn't. He said, because Satan hindered me. Did it mean that Satan was standing in the middle of the road and saying, you cannot come through? No. What he was saying was is that I got ready to leave the city, but then Satan caused a skirmish over here that required that I stay. And by the time I finished this skirmish and got it all set, I got ready to leave the city, but then something over here popped up. And so they're called rabbit trails, where the devil will create rabbit trails to keep you chasing problems so you can't finish your goal. And that's why sometimes you got to let the house burn down to the ground so you can finish your goal. Otherwise, they'll keep you chasing stuff. That happened to us one time. It was the most supernatural thing that happened to us this is years ago when the church was first started we were going to have our new year's eve service and something happened with something in here that required us to get a part from the music store and the sound engineer at that time some of y'all remember troy he's in florida now and so this is not an exaggeration from sun up to sundown Troy and I went from store to store and we would call the store and say, we need this part for our service tonight. Do you have it? Yes. We'd go to the store. We're here, we're called, and then mysteriously the part wasn't there. This is not an exaggeration. We went to about six, seven stores. We went to the next store. Okay, you had this part. Yes, we'd get there. <laughs> they didn't have a part. This is when it got freaky. As when we would call the store and they would tell them, okay, we need you to go look at the part. Yes, it's in my hand right now. We'll be there in 20 minutes. We would get there and mysteriously it was gone. And, and fought, we're riding around the car just going from store to store, store to store. And finally I said, Troy, let's go home. Something else is going on here. Okay. And, uh, and I said, there's something else. I don't know what this is, but this is not, this is something else. We got back to my house, and when we sat on the couch, the Holy Spirit said in an audible voice, he said, you were sent on a demonic rabbit trail to keep you preoccupied with chasing this, chasing this, chasing this, so that you will be exhausted and frustrated, and they'll frustrate the grace when you minister on tonight. I'll never forget that, because Troy and I were just like, this is just crazy. Six, seven places don't have the part after we called you? And then we show up and mysteriously it's gone. So you got to be careful when there's too many things popping up. And as they say, it's more than the eyes can see. You know, quit you got to be careful about chasing problems, you know. 
you know, people call you with an emergency. It's not an emergency. It's an emergency to them. I feel like taking a nap right up here right now. Okay, so let's look at this. Psalm 144, 3 through 4, because I don't even know what I was talking about. Oh, Lord, what are human beings that you should notice them? Mere mortals that you should think about them. For they are like a breath of air. Their days are like a passing shadow. Job 8, 9. For we were born but yesterday and know nothing. Our days on earth are as fleeting as a shadow. Colossians 2.16. So don't let anyone condemn you. Don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days like Christmas and Thanksgiving or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. Psalm 39, 6 through 7. We are merely moving shadows, and all our busy rushing ends in nothing. We heap up wealth not knowing who will spend it, and so, Lord, where do I put my hope? My hope is only in you. 1 Chronicles 29, 15. We are here for only a moment, visitors and strangers in the land as our ancestors were before us. Our days on earth are like a passing shadow, Gone so soon without a trace. Last two, Hebrews 8, 5. They serve in a system of worship that is only a copy, a shadow of the real one in heaven. For when Moses was getting ready to build the tabernacle, God gave him this warning. Be sure that you make everything according to the pattern I have shown you here on the mountain. And most people don't know that when God gives you an instruction, he's actually following a pattern that's written upstairs. Hebrews 10.1. The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. Sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. Okay? So that's the shadow. So let me see here if there is a shadow here when I come down. Yes, thank you, Jesus. I thought I was going to have to use another example. Okay. So, but depending on where this light is, I just wrote these things down here. So, you know, y'all have to use your imagination in the back, but you get my point. Even if you look down at the floor, you know, so like here, you can see my shadow here. Um, if you're standing in front of me, you see me and you see my shadow. This is me. This is the shadow. The shadow is there, but you are not paying attention to the shadow. You're paying attention to me. That's why the Bible says quit looking at planet earth, look at heaven, because earth is the shadow. I got that. The shadow seems real because you can see it with your physical eyes, but the shadow is only a copy or a silhouette of the real me. So you would never make decisions based on the shadow. You'd only make decisions based on me. That's why you can't be making earthly decisions. You got to be making heavenly decisions. Do, do, you see, do you see the huge divide here? How you have to be on a certain level of intellect. You need God's mercy and grace to understand these deep things. So the shadow is there, but you're not paying attention to the shadow. You're paying attention to me. The shadow seems real because you can see it with your physical eyes, but the shadow is only a silhouette 
or a copy of the real me. I can exist without the shadow, but the shadow cannot exist without me. And that's why the Bible says one day earth is going to disappear because it wasn't real in the first place. It just seems real because you're interacting with it. But just because you're interacting with something doesn't mean that it's real. How many of you know some folk are a legend in their own mind? <laughs> but they are not in the book of legends, are they? I don't know where that came from. I just threw that in. Y'all got me? So when the Bible uses, and those are just a few that I brought out. So when the Bible uses all these terms about earth is a shadow, your life is a shadow. These things are shadows. That's the only way for you to understand it. That's why Jesus always taught in parables and stories. That's why he always said, now look, the kingdom is deep. He said, but in order for you to understand it, the kingdom of God is like this, 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 this. The kingdom of God operates like seed, time, and harvest. The kingdom of God, this, 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 this. They taught you the kingdom, and they, and they created planet Earth to be a shadow, simplistic version of the real. Because many times you can't understand the real. Y'all got that? So here's a graphic, because I want y'all to understand it. If I was T.D. Jakes, you'd be running around the sanctuary, pulling stuff off the wall. But I'm not T.D. Jakes. I got to stay in my own lane. I appreciate people like T.D. Jakes and Joe Osteen. Everybody has their lane. Stay in it, lest you crash. Because nobody can be in your lane like you. The shadow is simple. The real is complex. The shadow is vague, but the real is extremely detailed. The shadow is shallow, but the real is deep. Okay? So, so everything in planet Earth exists in heaven. But there are more things that exist in heaven than in planet Earth. So people that have been there saying that, they just can't explain how there are just thousands of more colors in heaven than in planet Earth. How do you explain that? You know what I'm saying? I mean, much more animals, much more everything. But everything that you see here in this planet is a mundane copy, small shadow of the real. Now, if you're looking at my shadow, if, if you were actually up here, those that are on the front row, if they're looking at my shadow, you can see that the shadow is the silhouette of a man holding an iPad. But that's all you know. The shadow doesn't tell you what's in the iPad. The shadow does not tell you the skin color of the man or his eye color or his teeth. Or, and, and, and the shadow definitely doesn't tell you what's on the inside of the man. The shadow can't tell you the thoughts of the man or the intents of his heart. See how extreme the shadow is versus the real? That's how extreme earth is when it comes to heaven. And I don't know how to go past there except for breaking certain things down. Okay. Now, to give you an example of this, because <laughs> all of this is just to make one point that we're about to make in a moment. To give you an example of this, about shadow versus real, I want to bring up the scripture that talks about tears. Psalm 56.8, Passion Translation. I think I'm going to have to start wearing suits more. I feel, <laughs> feel like I'm in prison a little bit. You know, it's containing the fire and or the foolishness. <laughs> <clears throat> Psalm 56, 8. You've kept track of all my wanderings and my weeping. That's an amazing thing. When you got off track, he was tracking you. 
He was keeping track of you getting off track. And I'm keeping track of your weeping. You stored my many tears in your bottle. Not one will be lost, for they are all recorded in your book of remembrance. Now, I'm reading the scripture to give you a small lesson here about the extremities of the kingdom of heaven. Now, this is very extreme, very detailed, very everything means something. It's what I like about all the cultures. In America, nothing means anything anymore. You just do whatever you want to do, how you want to do it. There's no honor. There's no pomp. There's no circumstance. You know, you go to a wedding with a jogging suit on and a baseball hat. You know, it's just, you know, that's what I mean. That's, you know, it's a reason. You know, you go over there, man, to Africa and India and the Middle East and all those places, Brazil, and everything is so cultural, it's so alive, and y'all know what I'm saying. Oh, over there, man, they, man, I hurt myself in an Indian restaurant. What you doing soaking chicken in yogurt and stuff and just, and all these spices I never heard of and, 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 and over here we eating a hamburger. <laughs> French fries. <laughs> Hot dogs. Talking about this American food. We don't know what this stuff is. Okay, let's read it again. You kept track of my wandering and my weeping. You stored my many tears in your bottle. Not one will be lost. Now think about that. Not one tear will be lost. For they are all recorded. How did you record tears? For they are all recorded in your book of remembrance. Okay? Now, here's a graphic up here to show you the difference between heaven and earth. And planet Earth, no one thinks tears are that important. Planet Earth, no one thinks about creating technology to save tears. There is no research being done. Nobody is, is asking the government for grants. <laughs> so we can research how to collect tears. There are no fancy bottles you can buy at Macy's in order to save tears. And they only make one product for tears, tissue to wipe them to be thrown into the trash. That's what you do in the shadow realm. But in the real realm, tears are considered extremely precious. In the real realm, when you cry, you think your tears disappear. But in the invisible realm, there is an angel there with a beautiful vial or a vase, and they collect the tears. Then that angel has to go to heaven and, pre and present the tears before your heavenly father. And then they transfer those tears to a booklet, and they become language. Y'all see how detailed this is? How there's nothing that you're doing in every single area that's not being counted and looked at. If you didn't wear that scripture, the last thing you would ever thought is that Jesus, some of y'all thought the Lord was ignoring your tears. Because you were crying out in prayer for him to do something and the answer didn't come. And yet they took the tears and put it in a book. And one thing I don't know about God, when he puts something in a book, that becomes a legal document. So, 
It's one of the differences between. So, so trying to just help you understand that when the Bible calls earth a shadow, that's the comparison. Again, you know, I mean, think about it. You cry, you cry and you just put it on the tile. You wipe them, you throw it in the trash, throw it on the ground, do whatever. You just throw it away. Because that's what you do when you got a shadow mentality. You throw stuff away that's precious. And most people are throwing their lives away. Because they got a shadow mentality. They're not a real mentality. And again, see, you can't understand these things with the mind. You can only understand with the spirit. That's why the Bible says a man that's not born again, he can't even comprehend the things of God. So he thinks you stupid because you sold out. It don't take all that wrong. It take a whole lot more than what you see me doing already. You understand what I'm saying? See, this allows you to live your life every single day on purpose. Man, come on, man. If the tears are being recorded, what about when you laugh? See, but here's the problem. If the tears are being recorded, then what about your words? And what book are your words being put in? And the Bible says you have to give an account for every other word. And people just don't believe that. People think they're going to stand before God and escape. And I'm telling you, that's been bothering me because the Holy Spirit keeps telling me, I'll get in the shower and the Holy Spirit say, it'll say, I mean, he'll just tell me and show me people's faces in heaven. If I, if I would have just listened to my mom. You should have been listening to Jesus, but your mom was telling you what Jesus said. And since you wouldn't listen to Jesus, he sent your mom instead. If I'd have just listened to my dad, if I'd have just listened to my children when they tried to correct me to, on some things, if I'd have just listened to my pastor, if I'd have just listened to my grandmother, if I would have just stopped listening to that music that was corrupting my soul, if I had just stopped smoking weed, listening to these fools say that it's okay, it's legal. Yeah, so is killing a baby at nine months. You're going to do that too? I, I, this one thing I'm going to make a very, very poke stand on. You got to be some type of idiot. Stupid, dumb, crazy. And I wish there were other words. I even wish I could cuss. Okay? But you, you want to know the level of monster. You have embraced the mentality of a serial killer. If you think that God is remotely even close to abortion. You want to know one of the worst things that I've ever heard? I'm going to say this now. I've never said it. I think I said it Sunday. I've never said it because it just bothered me and it shook up my religion. But how many know God said, I don't even think like you. I don't think like you. I don't talk like you. I'm not you. I don't make decisions like you. Favorite scripture in the Bible. If I was hungry and in need, I wouldn't ask you nothing. Love that scripture. One of the worst tests. I've heard this twice. I'm going to just say it. But two people that were caught up to heaven said, see, you got to ask yourself a question. You got to ask yourself, see, people just think about the temporary. Now, if you've committed an abortion, God will forgive you. You know what I'm saying? We're not talking about that. We're not talking about that. We're talking about you embrace this mess. You know what I'm saying? You just, you put your money towards it and you, you happy that Biden signed, signed everything back in place so that everybody can start doing abortions again. You rejoice in that. Oh, yes. Uh, for reproductive justice, like the reverend said. All that. But you have, but nobody asked themselves, you, and let me say this, whether the, there's a teaching that we're going to do called the orphan spirit. And everybody deals with that. Even if you have two parents, you still deal with it. We all deal with it. You deal with it because you are born 
into the planet without a relationship with your real father. Giving your life to Christ is about you then coming back home to your real father. Your parents were surrogates. So don't be too mad if your parents messed it up. Don't be too mad if your parents weren't there. They were just surrogates that messed it up. They created a body, but God created you. So the parents create the physical body, and God, your real heavenly father, creates the spiritual body. No, what was I getting ready to say? Oh, okay. See, so you got to ask yourself. So I say that to say, so, so if you, that's why I have to minister to people. Well, I was created, and my parents were sinning. They weren't even married. Or I was a product of rape, or I was a product of this. Okay, well, the physical body might have been created under certain circumstances, but the real you came from heaven. But you got to ask yourself a question. What are we harming when God sends something and you send it back? And you want to know one of the worst things that I heard? is people who were caught up to heaven, and they see all of these tons of children. Just children, 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 children. And they went all ask, where are all these children coming from? They said, oh, they said these are the children of women that aborted their babies. And the children begged the Lord to send people to the parents to get them saved so they can still see them. And the deep part is, this is the one of the worst things I've ever heard. They said the Lord said that the parents don't know that when they do that, they mess the children up. Because they never gave the child the ability to build up eternal rewards. Because that's a law. These are spiritual laws. You want God to break and do certain things. He can't because of spiritual law. It would behoove you to find out what the spiritual law is and abide by it. Versus you just getting mad at God because he didn't do what you wanted him to do. So they have to go through a different pattern and a different system. And, you know, I think the total in the United States right now is like 50 million. One thing that people have not been taught is your decisions enhance or hurt heaven. See, who was supposed to, see, when you're just talking about 50 million kids, which one of those was supposed to be a president? Which one of those was supposed to be a business guru? Create something that was going to change the community. Invention, medical marvel, okay, like Carson. You know, it's not like there were 50 different doctors that learned how to separate twins that were conjoined. It was one. His name is Ben Carson. Okay, and the Lord gave him that idea. So guess what? How many other things? Because the Lord doesn't know. There's some things he'll give to a few, and there are some that he only gives to one. <laughs> and nobody for 6,000 years could figure out how to separate twins except for one. Take that one out the planet, and we still got twins that are conjoined. On top of the fact that the bigger problem is innocent bloodshed, like that demon told me. He said, every child that is aborted, he said, we use their blood to empower ourselves against you. The same way that you use the blood of Jesus to empower yourselves against us. But we need a whole bunch of blood just to try to remotely keep up with folk like you. So we need tons of blood to be poured out to empower us. You know me, I'm telling well, brother, you can invent some blood. You're you going to need all, you're going to need the blood of cows, animals, bats, birds, aliens. You're going to need everybody's blood just to make me blink. And if I blink, it was because some dust was in my, that's how I talk to a Satan when we're casting the demons out. Now we use scripture and everything too, but I get my inner gangster in and out dealing with these fools. 
It's just funny to see when they make each one of us mad. My wife just go off. Shut up! You, who you talking? You say, I'm like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I never forget Eureka. Y'all know who Eureka is. We were sitting right here. We was demon and that, demon and, and, and that girl smacked Eureka. <laughs> Eureka. Eureka came right out the spirit. She is, I cast you out in the name of Jesus. Yeah, you must come out through the blood and, and know you cannot have this woman. Hey, 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 hey. That's just what she did. Hey, hey, hey. And then said, that ain't going to happen a second time. <laughs> I'll never forget that. They will get you, man. They will get you. I'm dead serious. Them things will get you. You get one of them ones that will, they just be cussing you out, cussing you out, and they make you so frustrated, next thing you know, you're getting ready to start cussing them out. I'm just serious. We have seen some stuff with them characters. Them dudes are relentless, man. And the one that's frustrating the most are the jokers. They just, everything is a game and a joke with them, and they, they crack jokes, and they like to play games on you while you're trying to cast them out. They'll lead you down a rabbit trail, and you think they're getting ready to leave, and then at the last moment, he'll bust out laughing. <laughs> it's crazy. That's real ministry. I lost my message, and I overdone it. So y'all get the difference between, see the difference between what you do with tears versus what heaven does with them? That's a vast difference, right? That's letting you know the vast difference about what you would do with your life versus what heaven would do with your life. And, and, and I'm realizing for the first time in my life, there's a place in God called perfection or maturity where you become dead to this world. I understand now, I'm beginning, I shouldn't say understand, I'm beginning to understand what Paul meant when he said, when I came back from heaven, he said, I realized everything in this planet was done. And he entered into another dimension by which a snake bit him and he didn't pray. Emptied into another dimension where you just, you, you, this, it's a dimension we're all about to enter. You just can't kill us. It's, and guess what? It won't be because of how long you pray in, in the word. It's because you are fully in love. And love, when you are fully in the love, you are fully in the light. And the Bible says that, that God dwells in the light that no man can approach. So there's a level of light where the demons, they just stand back with binoculars. <sighs> Look at them. We sure wish we could be like them. It's a crazy thing, though, cast out demons. Some of them like to sing worship songs. You, you See, each one has its own. I don't know why I'm saying this. But I'll say it anyway. Somebody probably listening online or something. Each one has his own personality. Some hate Jesus with a passion. And if they could kill him, they would. And others are sorrowful that they went in with the rebellion, but they know that there's no hope for them. So it's the only job responsibility I got. I might as well do something. That's why some, the, the, uh, the ones that are more sorrowful, They'll sometimes leave when you walk in the room. They're just, all right, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, him, okay, got to go, you know. So, and, it does, and, it won't, and it's, not, it's never based on title. It's based on title. They can tell how clean you live, okay? We can be in there, and, and, and any, any one of you, you know, we'll be in there, maybe three of us ministering to the person, and any one of you, Garnett might walk in, and, and the thing will look over to the side. Oh, no, not him, not him, not him, because they don't see the flesh. They see a big ball of fire come in. Oh, this is more torment. 
but it's each one is a different joker. Each one has a different personality. Uh, the ones that are extremely wicked make you cry. They do. They, they, because you can't believe something is this wicked. You can't, and, and you're not even the devil. You just one of his dudes. So what is the devil? I mean, they are so wicked. It makes you cry that they will put this person through this. It's just, I mean, it's only been, I think it's happened twice that we were doing a deliverance and I had to step away and go to the bathroom and weep for a moment. Okay. I mean, we had a situation at the Sunday location. Um, young girl, I think she was her first time or something, I don't know, second time. And she was on the side and, and uh, she went over to the children's church. And um, she asked the children's church minister, she said, this is what she said. She said, can you get these nasty creatures out of me? Next thing you know, they had pulled my wife over. And my wife is over there with uh, three or four men twice my size. Big guys. I call them bolos. Um, and it's just mysterious. I don't know if Garnett's testimony is the same. For me, it's the older the person, the less strength they have. The younger the person, the more strength they have. And it seems like the most wicked are the ones that are in the young kids. Um, <laughs> I guess the older you are, the demon and got old too. So he, you know, he, I don't know. I'm just throwing stuff out there. You know, I'm, I ain't got no sense. Don't take that to the back. Y'all know what I'm saying? I just, you can't understand this stuff. <laughs> you, you just can't, I don't know. But, but two hours, full grown man holding his little girl down. Had the strength of an ox holding this girl down and 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 my wife just bam just dealing with these things dealing with these things dealing with these things and finally they all came out and the girl went back just as normal like nothing had happened and the four grown men they weeped because they had never seen nothing that wicked hey it's the one thing you are allowed to hate with a passion is evil and when you see what evil has done to mankind and is doing especially y'all And you have to be, let me tell you something. Um, I will teach on this later about why uh, the scripture is, this is, let me say this now. It's very important for you to never become evil while you're fighting it. It's very important because you will begin to draw on a different power. You can't fight evil with evil. You ever notice even in the superhero movies, you always notice that the bad guy wants the good guy to kill him. What type of sense does that make? Come on, do it. I know. And then we'll be frustrated when the superhero holds back. Yeah, that was the dark side trying to corrupt the good side. Okay. Now, there are men that have, have callings to do those different type of things. You know, but unfortunately, you know, men that fight evil, they can become evil. And you see that a lot with preachers and police officers. They deal with so much crap, so much crap that you, you just deal with it. Because I'm telling you, there are just some men that, the, uh, just, just some men that you just wish you could just put a bullet in the head. I've met several men like that. You know, and you're just like, man, I just wish I could just kill you. Because there's some men that's, I'm like that when it comes to this child stuff. You know, I'm like that too when it comes to the abuse of women. Well, when it comes to you kidnapping a child and selling them out on the street, you know, and that type of stuff, and, and now this big thing, y'all, is harvesting organs. If y'all knew how big that was, 
They, 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 they take kids off the street and, and humans because they need your organs and they resell them on the market. That's a big market right now. Because you know why? Because people live so raggedy, they mess up their inner body parts and their liver and all that type of stuff. And, and <laughs> my wife and I watched some old crazy movie and this old fool, he was renting organs. Yeah, rent you a liver. Y'all, there's some craziness going on out here. It just, because you know, they, they've mastered taking and putting parts of the body in and out. You know, oh, it's crazy. Big thing is, you know, we're, some of our family members we talking about this big thing now is the, the darker your skin um, in certain countries, the more you are susceptible to being kidnapped because they need the melanin that's in the African skin now to help with, oh, it's deep. And these are not no little small little things. This is a major thing. They just keep them secret. I can't be involved with stuff like that. I quit my job and try to become a special ops with no training. <laughs> I'm that dude, man, skip all that. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go back to preaching. How about that? Just, you know, but again, you know, y'all see the old, why y'all think in the Old Testament, God would tell them, go to the whole town and kill everybody. He was like, dude, you got to kill the babies and the animals? He said, yeah. He said, better to kill a few than kill them all. Because if that's allowed to spread, it's going to spread around the whole planet. And then I'm going to have to do Noah all over again. God is not mean. It's just that sometimes you got to do a cleansing. And just God ain't the individual. Let me tell you something. If you are on his side, he is your father. If you're not on his side, he is your God and judge. Let me go ahead and finish this. This is some good stuff, though. 1 Corinthians 15.58. Excuse me. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, not lazily for the Lord. Work enthusiastically. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. When they said nothing, it means nothing. So I'm going to show you how deep this rabbit hole can go. 1 Timothy 2.8. Here's my last point. The Lord either would not or has not shared with me what happens when you do this? He just told me major things happen when you do. <clears throat> what did I say? Hebrews chapter 12. Oh, let's go back to Hebrews chapter 12. Read that one first. Hebrews 12, 28. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. So it said, because you're getting ready to inherit a wonderful kingdom, you should always be worshiping God with holy fear and awe. For our God is a devouring fire. 1 Timothy 2.8. In every place of worship, I want men to pray with holy hands lifted up to God, free from anger and controversy. Psalm 14.1-2. Notice he said, you need to pray with your hands lifted. Not your hands in your pocket. Chewing gum. Looking around. 1 Timothy 2.8. In every place of worship, I want men to pray with holy hands lifted up to God. And then in Psalm 14, I'm sorry, Psalm 141 verse 2. Accept my prayer as incense offered to you and my upraised hands as an evening offering. 
Don't ask me why the Lord shared with this, and it's not even that deep. It's very simple. I was minding my own business as usual. I told you, you know, when you start focusing on these things, the Lord picks and chooses when he's going to talk to you. It'll be out of the clear blue. I told you what I preached on Wednesday night when I was at the basketball game, and the Lord began to open up my eyes about the group that I was sitting with and about judging things. If you, if you don't, if you, you need to listen to Wednesday night on offense. Hey, so um, where was I at? I think I might have been in the car. And, uh, and, and this is how the conversation starts. The Lord says, you ever notice that no matter where you are, if you'll lift your hand, it demands attention. That's how he hits me. When he hit me, sometimes I just pull over on the side of the road. Here we go. About to embarrass me again. Sharing it with Renard and Kimberly. We were someplace. And, and just simple stuff like that. You know? I mean, I'm preaching, but how many of you know? If somebody in the audience right now just lifts their hand and keeps it up, I'm either going to address it or it's going to start bothering me because it's getting my attention. Right? I mean, how many of you know that if you are at the at the bank and the line is long and you are the 11th person in line how many know if you're in the line at the bank and you just simply lift your hand you get the attention of the whole bank and they may not answer you at first keep that hand lifted can I help you this is what the Lord is teaching me see because see we think See, we think lifting your hands is just something you do in church. No, that's what happens when you got a shadow mentality. I mean, I mean police officer. How I many? Don't have to be a police officer. It can be a police officer. It can be a fireman. It can be you. If you are in the parking lot someplace, getting ready to leave Walmart, and a person lifts their hands like that towards you, it's one or two things that go through your mind. I'm gonna stop and see what they want, or this is a trick. And you're going to keep on going. Every once in a while, somebody will lift their hand up. Nope, you're not getting me today. You have to do that, especially if you are a woman. You know, I did that years ago. I was at the gas station. Guess what? God lifted his hand at the gas station. So I pulled over. Well, actually, he, I was getting ready to pull out. So he lifted his hand. So I stopped and pulled over. Then he ran into the window. He said, hey, man. I said, hey. You don't remember me? No, I don't remember you. Man, what's your name? Otha. Otha, you don't remember me. <laughs> that was really the first time game had been playing on me like that. And see, see I, I didn't get it at first. Otha, you don't remember me? No, man. Man, you know we went to high school together. What school you go to, Osborne? Otha, you don't remember me from Osborne. <laughs> But that started by somebody lifting their hands. You're in a classroom. You lift your hand. There's no scenario you could be in, even if you were out of order, where if you lifted your hands, you wouldn't get attention. You can be at the movie theater. Watch. You can be at the movie theater, right? Watching the movie with everybody. And if you just throw your hand up, people are going to be like, oh, they're really enjoying the movie. Keep your hand up. It's attention. People have stopped watching the movie. They're trying to figure out why does this person have their hand up. 
leave it up long enough, somebody's going to say, put your hand down. That's me. I didn't come to the movies to see you watch your hand. Came in to watch this movie. See, I'm that dude that gets up and tell people to be quiet. My wife and kids can't stand it, so I stopped. Oh, man, I had people thinking I was part of the military, the police, everything, to get them shut up. People would leave, too. I'd get right up. Excuse me. I didn't pay my money to come hear y'all talk. And, and they would shut up because, like, he is bluffing or this man is really crazy. Sometimes people in the theater would clap. You know, you get these young kids who come in there just to disturb the movie. I can't stand that. I really am a nice person. It's just that for some reason, the movies and child kidnapping, those are the two things that tend to mess me. <laughs> I'm just serious. Everybody has something. You know you got something in here. Some of y'all, this traffic. How many, how many car chasers act like dogs do I have in here? Somebody cut you off in traffic and now you chasing them. Y'all, I am not exaggerating. My wife and I were on the way back from the other location. And these dudes were having it. When I, we're going this way. This is not a lot. We are going this way. These dudes came this way because they were in full road rage. A sports car and a pickup. How I many you know that don't even match? And, and they almost hit us because they both jumped into the other lane of traffic and just kicking up dust. And I looked in my mirror and I could see, oh, they're going at it. Didn't think nothing else about it till five months later. They both blew past me. These, one of them made a U-turn, the other guy made a U-turn, and they still chasing each other, came right past me. I don't know what happened to the end of that story. But you know what I'm saying. Everybody in here has something. Let them take your ice cream cone. <laughs> you fix this thing. <clears throat> so... I was minding my own business. And so let's look at the rest of the scriptures and it will be done. Now you understand why in 1 Timothy 2.8, it says, in every place of worship, I want men to pray with holy hands lifted up to God. You just think it's the lifting of your hands. But the lifting of your hands makes things happen in heaven. And he would not tell me what. The lifting of your hands demands attention and makes things happen in planet Earth. Lamentations 2.19. Rise during the night and cry out. Pour out your hearts like water to the Lord. Lift up your hands to him in prayer, pleading for your children. For in every street they are faint with hunger. Exodus 9.33. So Moses left Pharaoh's court, went out of the city, and when he lifted his hands to the Lord, the thunder and hell stopped. Not when he prayed. Isaiah 115, when you lift up your hands in prayer, I will not look. These are people that were off track. Though you offer many prayers, I will not listen, for your hands are covered with the blood of innocent victims. That's for all of you that believe that abortion is okay. Because the Bible says, if you don't do it, but you support those that do, it's like you're doing it. So when you lift up your hands, God won't look because you got blood on your hands because you support abortion. But these people were off track. So he said, when you lift up your hands in prayer, I will not look. Which means that when you're on track, you lift up your hands, it gets God's attention. Get their hands lifted for. It's a signal. God, I need you to look at me right now. That's just part of it. He said there's more, but he hadn't told me yet. And it might be because 
I wouldn't have the ability to understand what happens in heaven when you just do like this. One of the most powerful things that I have been in was a, uh, I think it was a deaf service. And they had everyone lift their hands in silence. You could feel the atmosphere change. I can feel the atmosphere change when the people lift their hands in worship and it gets really good and they really get to lift. You can feel the atmosphere change. I'm doing this to encourage you to keep your hands lifted all the time. You'll see me sitting there and I'll have my hands lifted and I'll put them down. And I'll put it in my pocket because I just have it. And you'll see me do this. Oh. <laughs> you got to train yourself. Train yourself. Train yourself. Exodus 17, 10 through 13. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, <laughs> the Amalekites gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon became so tired he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. What do lifting of your hands have to do with winning war? Everything when the Lord is on your side. You know what I'm saying? So this is what it means by when the scripture says nothing you do for the Lord is useless. When you lift your hands, it's being used for something. But in planet Earth, you know, when you lift your hands, you just get someone's attention. But remember, in heaven, it's always much more detailed because that's the real. I'm assuming the Lord is going to share it with me. Maybe he stopped there because it requires me to be in heaven to see, or maybe one of you, I don't know, to see what happens when we lift our hands. Don't be sending me no okey-doke revelation about what you think it is. Well, I believe, stop, don't send me nothing. Because it's all, you know, <laughs> wait. I preach a message, and when I say I don't know, everybody feels the need to not instruct me. No, you don't know. You're just thinking up something. A bunny rabbit prophecy. Okay. So, but here, I mean, I want you to think about it. Two groups are fighting. Two groups. <clears throat> And, and, and Moses' army is winning as long as he keeps his hand up. And when his hands get tired, the enemy starts winning. This lets you know that something was being affected by his hands. And this is what I mean by when the scripture says, my people are destroyed. Why? You don't know, you don't know how to fight the enemy with our weapons. Because you think lifting up the hands is something religious you do when you come to church. And that's how you learn it. Guess, think about it. Why you lift your hands? Well, you just think, well, it's because I'm supposed to praise the Lord. Okay, that final sounds nice and religious, but it's much deeper than that. And so because the scripture didn't tell you to raise your hands in church. <laughs> it says raise your hands when you pray. And then Paul said, I wish that men would pray everywhere lifting up holy hands. It's crazy. Okay, so I don't know what it means. All I know is the Lord wanted me to share it with you all to let you all know that when you lift your hands, not only does it mean something when you lift your hands, not only do you get God's attention, 
when you lift your hand, not only do you get all of heaven's attention when you lift your hands, not only do you get Satan's attention when you lift your hands, something greater than all of that happens. We just don't have the intellect to understand it yet. That's why the God, the Bible talks so much about trust. It's one thing you're going to have to learn how to do with, with God or your Heavenly Father. You're going to have to learn how to trust him. If I told you to do this, you need to trust me. If I told you to let them go, you need to trust me. If I told you to stop sinning, you might want to trust me. If I told you to go to school when you're 90, you might want to trust me. You understand what I'm saying? Everybody thinks that they can outthink God. You can't even outthink your kids. You know how it is with this technology? You, you don't read, read through the manual three times. Give it to your kid. They don't read through the manual. You just come in and press this button. How many know? And it seemed like the newborns got it together. They just... <laughs> what is it about newborns that know how to press the one button that lock you down for 30 minutes? It's a gazillion buttons on this remote control. And now I got to call the TV repairman because of you? That's just amazing to me. I just figured that stuff out. Okay? So, again... I told you in the beginning, if you wait for me to teach everything, you are moving at the pace of a turtle. You got to study this along with me. You got to get in the Bible and look. Everything that talks about the kingdom of God, every time Jesus says the kingdom of God is like this over here, every time it talks about reward and you'll be greatly rewarded and it talks about your inheritance, you got to stop at that scripture and then look at it for a moment to see what it says and you're going to start scratching your head. I cannot believe all of the stuff in here that they plan on giving us. But I'm telling you, don't cheapen this because for the first time in my life, I feel like, I'm like, what have I been teaching? Okay, so you need to practice this in your personal life and apply it to it. So the Lord wanted you to know about the shadow because we all think in a mundane way because we live on a mundane planet surrounded by mundane people who have created technology that they think is wonderful but is mundane. Men are impressed because they created a computer. That's trash. You understand what I'm saying? Okay, so let's go ahead and stand for a moment. Let's practice that. And that's what I do now in prayer. Father, I come unto you. I lift up my hands unto you and give you thanks and praise. I lift up my hands unto you and give you glory and honor and praise. I magnify you, O Lord God. Just lift up your holy hands. That's what you got to learn how to do. Thank you, O Lord God. Father, in the name of Jesus, you all that are watching us online, even if you're driving, just take one hand and lift up your hand for a moment. Father, we lift up holy hands unto you. And you said in your word, O oh Lord God, that one of the things that lifting up the hands do is it gives you an offering. So thank you, O oh Lord God, for teaching these things unto us slowly but surely, line upon line, precept upon precept, teaching us, O oh Father God, how to maximize heaven in our lives. Thank you, O oh Lord God, for removing the religious teaching out of our hearts and minds and replacing it with what these things actually mean. Increase our intellect, 
increase our ability to see and to understand so that we can house and handle more. Thank you, O Lord God. So we bless and honor you. We don't know exactly what all of this means, but we know that it means something. And if it means something unto you, it means everything unto us. So I thank you, O Lord God, that when we stand before you in heaven, thank you, O Lord God, that we'll be able to lift our hands forever because we'll have bodies that won't get tired. We'll have minds that will not wander. We'll have hearts that will only be focused on you. And we'll be in the fullness of your glory. And we will see things and hear things, smell things and taste things, feel things and experience things just in our first moment of heaven that will cause us to lift our hands forever. So we do it by faith now. Thank you, O Lord, for strengthening our arms. Holy Spirit, I ask that when we, as we practice lifting our hands more and more in the service, lifting our hands more and more in our private prayer time and our private praise time, Holy Spirit, remind us. You said, Jesus said that you would remind us of all things. We ask that you would poke us, remind us, lift your hands again. Lift your hands again. Lift your hands again. Knowing that the lifting of the hands constantly is causing things to happen in heaven, which then cause things to happen in earth. The lifting of the hands every time we do it, O oh Lord, it gives an offering unto you. So I thank you, O oh Lord God, for this revelation. Give us more. Bless and honor you for it, O oh Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Just give God thanks for a moment and bless his name. Glory and honor be unto thee, O Lord.